Good evening. Well, probably morning for most of y'all, but good evening. Welcome into another episode of We're Talking. Craig Malonsaw and Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Good evening, Jay. Hello. Well, you know, to, uh, we through the through the the last year we've talked about a lot of things, but we're going to stick with baseball tonight. Oh, gee, that breaks my heart. I know, but before we get started, you know, on college baseball, Major League Baseball, they're back, they're playing. It broke my heart about a month ago when I saw Reds were trending, and I click on Twitter and I look at Reds trending. It's a damn soccer team in ah. Spain or somewhere. Oh, wow. Freaking commie pigs. So um, I don't want to hear about that. But now I'm not so much the Reds are trending, but MLB is trending. But every time I click on the Reds account, they're saying thank you to another player. Good luck in XYZ Stadium. I'm going like, son of a bitch, we can have anybody left to play? <laughs> so what, what about your Dodgers? Well, you know, the Dodgers had a couple of things happen before the lockdown. Uh, and that was Corey Seager, uh, you know, making a deal uh, with the, the Rangers. And, uh, and Max Scherzer uh, also deciding to leave. Now, you know, those were a couple of pretty high-level decisions. Um, since the lockout ended, the biggest news is Clayton Kershaw is going back to L.A. for what may be his last year. I don't know. Um and the news today that the Braves made a trade with the A's to get the A's first baseman tells me Freddie Freeman's days are numbered. And while there's been a lot of talk about the Yankees picking him up, let's remember he's a California boy. So I, I think the Dodgers are going to make a push there. Uh, that would be that would be huge if they were able to get him. Um, but you know, I talking to a friend of mine as a Dodger fan. Well, you know, we lost Seager and we lost... You can't sign everybody. Okay? You can't. The Dodgers have plenty of talent. Uh, if they add to that by adding Freeman, uh, all that much the better. But they've also got a couple of uh, a couple of other things that they've got to go ahead and lock down. I mean, they got to make a decision on Kenley Jansen. Um, and, you know, and a couple of other guys... Uh, and their bullpen, and they really could use another starting pitcher. So we'll see. I was going to say, sometimes when you get rid of a guy, it opens up the opportunity for someone else to step in, maybe someone younger, maybe gives you the opportunity to sign somewhere where you need a little more depth. So it could work out for everybody. Well, you know, when the Dodgers got Trey Turner last year um, from the Nationals in that Scherzer trade, he was under control for another season. And he's, by nature, a shortstop. And so that led me to believe that they were going to let Seager go. And what that does is, now that he's fully healthy, they can go ahead and put Gavin Lux at second base, which is his normal position. He played him a lot in the outfield last year. Because uh, I think he's ready uh, and a left-handed bat. It, so we'll, we'll see. You know, I'm... Well, very good. We'll talk more about the MLB season as it gets closer and as it moves on. But... Uh, before we get into Cajun baseball, Sunbelt baseball this weekend, what were your thoughts? What did you see? Well, obviously, Texas State is a hell of a lot better than any of us thought. <laughs> you know, they go out to Arizona, win two out of three out there against a nationally ranked club, split two midweek games with Texas, uh, and win in Austin. Horns down. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so, obviously, you know, and Texas State, let's remember, they had the league's best record in 2019 and then went two and out in the conference tournament. Yep. 
2020, they were off to a 12 and four start and the season got shut down. Last year, everybody, well, hey, watched it and they had a God awful year, a terrible year and nobody could figure out what the hell happened. Well, this year, they're a little bit less valued because of what they did last year. And they're playing the way we thought they would play last year. So, um, you know, Texas State's real. Uh, they're for real. And, and before the season, it was, you know, they're talking about, you know, Coastal and South Alabama and Georgia Southern and the Cajuns. Um, Texas State right now probably moves to the head of the class. And so that's um, something that we maybe didn't expect. Georgia Southern's got a great RPI because they've beaten Georgia Tech and Georgia. Um, they, they had three bad games at Tennessee to open the season. And since then, they have done what they're supposed to do against the competition that they've played. So Georgia Southern's got a very nice RPI right now. In fact, it's better than Texas State's. Um, so those two teams have done well. South Alabama... They've had a game or two where they've stubbed their toe, but I was looking at their numbers today, okay? Miles Smith and Jeremy Lee were the two guys that you said, you know, they might be the two best pitchers in the league. And you look, and one of them's got an ERA of about 1.3, and the other one's about 1.6. So they've got the Friday, Saturday guys that they need to be really good. Coastal... Coastal's been coastal. They had a golden opportunity against um, North Carolina and let a couple of games slip away. Um, I don't know that, that Coastal's done anything that's made us go, wow. But again, they've probably beaten the teams they're supposed to be. Uh, and, and they've got a nice club too. Uh, ULM, I think, has been maybe the most disappointing. Yeah, that kind of shocked me a little bit. I... I before the season started, I said, gee, is this a year the Warhawks make a move? Because I they were getting more and more competitive the last two years. Um, but, you know, they went they went down to Nichols and, and lost that series. And they, they just haven't gotten much done so far this year. I think they've been the, the league's probably biggest disappointment. Them and UTA. UTA's not good at all, at least so far. Yeah, the... the it, I, I did not get the them losing to Nichols U, ULM. I did not understand that because, like you said, I thought they were going to be much better. But back to Texas State real quick. With I, I haven't looked at their roster, and I'm sure you haven't either. But could that have been one of those things last year because of COVID? You had so many extra players, you, well, and you might have had a – What you had, first of all, is you had a couple of guys that were injured that didn't come back until two thirds of the way through the season. Those guys are healthy now. And Wuthrich is the guy who comes to mind first. Um, but they've got a very good bullpen. And this guy Stivers that that's at the back of the bullpen. Yeah. He's really good. Um, and they've had some newcomers that have, uh, that have stepped up because I looked at their stats and uh, a couple of names I don't recognize that are, that are doing really well. Um, so, you know, I mean, kudos to them. Look, I'm all about this league winning as many non-conference games as possible. Oh, absolutely. And they've had a great start to the season. And, um, you know, they're definitely one of the teams to beat. And, and, and that's good. 
you know, we'll, I'm glad we're playing them toward the end of the season. Yeah, oh, I am too. It's going to be an exciting time. I'm hoping both teams are still playing well. You know, it's uh, you mentioned Sunbelt winning as many non-conference when when we opened up the season, the first weekend or so. It it was not a good weekend for the Sunbelt Conference in in, in winning games. So it it's good to to get, to see them on track again. App State had a tough weekend. Uh, playing Charlotte. Now, Charlotte's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but they've won. They've won their share of games. Um, Georgia State has a nice record because unlike last year when they played nothing but SEC schools on the road, they've actually played some folks they could beat. Um, and they've got a couple of guys that have put up some some nice numbers. I um, I, I said I, that UTA is not has not been good. Arkansas State hasn't been good either, but they've had so many games that have been postponed that it's, but their issue last year was their pitching. And so far it's the same thing this year. Yeah. I believe uh 7.75 ERA as a team, not going to win you many games, but at the same time, lots of double headers. It looked like when they were able to play, yeah. uh, not, not good. And, and games postponed. I, yeah, games I'm, giving them, I'm giving them an incomplete yeah. right now. And then there's the team that we're playing this weekend. Um, you know, Troy has, uh, they've played a couple of series that's conducive to, to building their stats a little bit. Um, I I think, um, I think Troy's going to be a competitive team. I think that Troy, from what I've seen so far, with the results that they've had, they're probably a middle-of-the-pack team uh, in the Sun Belt. But they're playing at home this weekend. And and you better be ready to play, because they're they're gonna they're gonna make you play nine innings. Now they have a new coaching staff this year. Okay. Uh, and and the the guy that they brought in is really young, and he's a very analytics driven coach. So you're gonna see maybe them play differently than what they've uh, played in the past. But I think that uh, well, Troy's never bad. Okay. No. Troy's never bad. So they had the Cajuns have better be ready this weekend. And and Garrett Gaines who is you know, Troy's best pitcher from a year ago. He's back, and he's good. They're, they're a team that, like I said, they're playing at home. It's an odd-shaped field. Things tend to happen there, uh, a la 2015 tournament, a couple drop balls in the outfield, mm-hmm. or a drop ball. Uh, it, it's not an easy place to play, but then again, like I said, they're, they're – they opened up the season against um, Columbia or some some an Ivy League school, so but we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting because none of these players for the Cajuns have ever seen this ballpark. Oh, that's true. It's because been... because two years ago, Cajuns first played there and uh, COVID, and in nineteen I think they were off the schedule, so. Yes. So the last time the Cajuns were in Troy, well, it's four or five years ago because it was Top's first year. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting that outside of uh, Bab and Deggs and me and Top, nobody's nobody's ever seen <laughs> this park. Uh, I love Riddle Pace. Uh, Riddle Pace. I love yeah. it. I love the ballpark. Um, you know, you got the the monster out there in right right center, and they did it right because it's like it, they didn't do it cheaply. 
It's a very well built with the brick and stuff, and yeah. it's it's great out there. You've got Doubles Alley out in left field with the plexiglass where the fans go out there uh, and they cook and they they want the opposition to come out and visit with them. Um, I love that ballpark. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorites. My only disappointment is is that they the parking lot across the street where we used to be able to pull up the RVs. Is now uh, another building there. Yeah. And, and the parking lot is much smaller. And I don't believe there's any more overnight uh, parking on campus anymore. Yeah. I, I, being, a, so. being a guy who doesn't get to participate as being a fan, I wouldn't know any of that stuff. But uh, Me neither. I've never had a drink over there. Yeah, I can tell uh, you that. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I, was telling, I was telling Matt Deggs the story. You know, he had his radio show. And I was telling him the story about, in 2015, how... All of the the Cajun fans that were there, they went out. They made made friends out there in Doubles Alley, and they cooked out there, and they had a great time, and had such a good time that um, Evan Powell's parents were asked to be godfather for uh, our good friend uh, Gunnar yeah. Whetstone for for his little boy. Yep. And and so and and Degs looked at me and said, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "They, you know, you make friends." It's funny, Gunner. Gunner uh, had a posted a picture on Facebook with his little boy at the, the at the field, which is four or five now. And uh, he said he was he was talking to the uh, Indiana players. He said raising them right or something like that. So fun to see. Well, uh, for those that don't know, later on uh, in in the season when we go over to Texas State. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure the team the team has two games in uh, in uh, at Rice before that trip. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Rice. That's they actually now because of some rescheduling. Oh. have two week long road trips. Okay, you know because with the rescheduling of the Louisiana Tech game, you're going to play Tech on Tuesday and Wednesday, travel Thursday, and play in Jonesboro Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, you know, I was wondering about that originally, why that game was on a Tuesday. If you're going to go up there on a Wednesday night, just get up, and you're going up Thursday anyway. Now you're why? playing Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, okay. And then you've got, as you mentioned, two games with Rice, a travel day, and then three games at Texas State. So you have two road trips that are, for all intents and purposes, a week long. Get those cats uh, used to the uh, MIB schedule. There right? you go. Except our bus is probably a lot nicer than any MILB team, so. We're going to take our first break, our only break tonight, and we'll be right back after this. Craig Malonso and Jay Walker, we're talking baseball. Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malonso, I was about to do it again. Jay Walker, though. Uh, here we're talking baseball tonight. Uh, Jay, we talked about the Sunbelt Conference, uh, Cajun baseball. Before we look a little bit ahead, let's look a little bit behind the week that was. Two rainouts, which honestly I thought was the best thing that could happen to the Cajuns because of their previous road trip. Yeah, I think that uh, I think they were a little tired, you know, because because look, that series against Southern Miss was pretty intense. Yep. And um, so I, I think it might have been a blessing in disguise. Uh, Matt gave them last Wednesday off um, after having a good hard practice on Tuesday, and um, I think that they were in a better mindset when when Houston came in over the weekend. Um, I don't think there's any question they'd like to have game two back because, um, you know, 
Matt uses the term we were too generous, and he's used that a couple times this year when the, the pitching staff didn't do its job and you know gave away some free base runners or you made a couple errors or whatever it was, and before you know it, the team has distanced itself from you. I personally, and I'm going to be straight up, I'm personally disappointed the Cajuns didn't sweep that series. And, and I say that because I don't think Houston's a bad team, but Houston is not of the caliber that they traditionally are, and they're not of the caliber of the teams that the Cajuns have played this year. They, they're not Irvine. They're not Southern Miss. They're not Arkansas. They're not Stanford. Um, and I was hoping that they would use this weekend to get well because Houston has some holes in their lineup. Their pitching staff's not great. Um, and while I'm happy to win the series, especially in the way that they did win it, playing some raging Cajun baseball, uh, you know, hitting four homers on Friday and then coming back on Saturday and making stuff happen in the run game. And then, uh, you know, Sunday getting a great start, but also going out and pulverizing the baseball, which we've been waiting for them to do. I was disappointed the pitching staff didn't do a better job in game two of that series. And that was, that was the disappointment for me. And that's why I'm, I'm saying I'm a little disappointed they didn't sweep the series. That's what I was hoping for. And I didn't think it was something that was out of the realm of possibility. Well, like you said, Houston was, it was a team that came in. They beat the teams that they were supposed to before they came in. They lost to some good teams. Not the best competition, but they lost to some good teams. All close games, but they beat the teams that they were supposed to. How much, though, on Saturday, though, that one big inning for them, how much was that just baseball beating them though? Because it was I mean, a blue pier, a blue pier. It wasn't like we the I didn't think Shiflet pitched that bad. I guess. I didn't think he pitched that good. Okay. Um, you know, I think he allowed a couple of base runners early. Uh you're right in that a perfectly placed bunt, a little bit of a bloop over the second baseman's head a ground ball to shortstop where you couldn't throw anybody out, a hard hit ball, you know, down the line. But you know what? This is the guy who was your Friday night starter opening night. You expect him to work out of stuff like that. And Shiflet's ERA now is close to nine. Yeah. And um, that's disappointing. You know, when, when, I think the whole thought about bringing Bonds in to finish the suspended game and then starting him was, look, we're going to have him for three, and then we're going to have these guys, and we're going to be fine. And um, they weren't fine. And, you know, if you, if you had to do it over again, would you have brought in Schultz to finish the suspended game got five solid out of bonds and then gone from there. And I'm not second guessing. Right. I'm not second guessing because I don't second guess. But they did what they did because they expected more out of Shiflet, and we've all expected more out of Shiflet, and it hasn't worked out. He's got to figure that out. And I, and I think he's got the ability to do that. But he's got to figure it out because this is a guy that if the Cajuns are going to do what they want to do, they're going to need them. And um, he just hasn't 
really gone out yet and made us all go, attaboy. You know, I mean, it just hasn't happened that way so far. Speaking of attaboys, though, Jeff Wilson oh my God. on Sunday. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, what, what did he allow? I don't think he allowed any hits after the fourth uh, inning. One hit after the fourth. Okay. He retired 17 of the last 18 that he faced. Um, and he was just painting, you know, up and down, in and out, taking something off his fastball. He's going 89, 89, 89. He's mixing the slider in, throwing the slider for strikes, and then starts throwing his fastball about the same speed as his slider, almost a BP-type fastball. And then in the ninth inning saying, oh, by the way, I still got this, and he's back up to 89 again. You know, I love guys who know how to pitch. And between his maturity and a masterful job of calling the game, they put him in a position to have great success, and he went out and he got it done. And, you know, that's what you want your seniors to do. And he was just terrific. And we talk... And, and I know that, you know, you, you've listened to, to what baseball people have had to say about stress pitches. And he didn't have any after the second inning. He probably could have thrown 200 pitches. It's funny you bring that up because we, uh, I was sitting with our friend down the left field line, and he and I were talking, and every, every, every inning we're thinking, okay, this has got to be his last inning. And then when he came out for the ninth, I said, I looked at him. I said, well, you know, I said, he really hasn't been any trouble at all. There's been no stress. And now he's got a nine run lead. Yeah. I mean, I'm going, I'm riding that. But I kept thinking the whole time when he came out in the seventh, when he came out in the eighth, when he came out in the ninth, I'm thinking, all right, he's going to pitch to one batter and Dex is going to go get him to give him that round of applause that he deserves, you know, but with the Cajun fans. And it just all of a sudden, boom, another out, another out. And I'm like, surely here we've got, you know, a righty-lefty matchup. Surely you're going to take him out now. Boom, you know, next one. He know. pitched a masterpiece. Oh, no, it was. It was, it was a great outing um, against a team that swings it okay. You know, the, the issues that Houston's had this year, for the most part, has been with their pitching staff. Their, their Saturday guy, I thought, did a really nice job. And they had... They got one good guy in the bullpen, and that's Sears, and he came yeah. in and pretty much shut the Cajuns down. Um, but their lineup's okay. I mean, their first seven guys are, are, are all right. And he didn't give them anything, and he, and he, he made it look easy. I was just I, – I was in total shock. I, you know, someone had asked me what I thought about the weekend series. I said, I said a couple things I think are going to happen. I think – I said I think – Heath Hood is going to bust out. Boom. Bust out. He said, hello, Cajun Nation. I said, Tyler Robinson is going to pick up his first extra base hit. That happened. Uh, and I think, I, I I don't remember what was the other one I said, but it, it was, I mean, the last the last five games, Heath Hood batting 500 with uh, two home runs. Yeah, he's got it. I think he's got to figure it out now. You know, look, when they get Marshock back, okay, and and Matt says they may get him back as early as this weekend. Once he's back in the lineup full time, what does that do? Well, Veyon has played well enough.
to where he can go ahead and keep his job. So now you're bringing in Rocco to play first base, Robertson to play third. You're going to play Veyon and Marshak and Hood in the outfield, and all three of them are going to be able to go get it. And you've got your catching position solidified. Shortstop is solidified. The only question you're going to have on this team is second base. And if Lede hits, it's his job, and it's Rincones's job if Lede doesn't hit. Yeah. And you'll see them both play. You know, Rincones doesn't have many hits, but he's not striking out either. I think he struck out five times. No, that's what I was going to say. He, he's Well, the team as a whole has done much better at the plate this year right? with, with the strikeouts. But Rincones, though, I mean, and, and we saw it on Sunday. I mean, he got hit by the pitch a couple times and was able to get on base, which I expected him to steal a couple times. But with that kind of lead, I, I guess you're not going to try to rub it in. Houston's face either. Well, and, and I'll tell you, you played for the first time a team that really likes to run. And the message was sent, do not run on Julian Brock. Now, Troy is another team that likes to run. And I'm going to be in I'm sure they're going to try. And at the same time, they're getting a scouting report and it's saying, this dude's going to throw you out. It's around nine already this season, yeah. 15 games, or is it 10? Well, you know, whatever whatever the numbers say, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and throw something in. What you're lo- the, the stats that you look at are stolen bases caught stealing, all right? Now, there have been a couple of times where there's been a ball in the dirt and it's rolled away and the guy's tried to take second and Brock has thrown him out, that he doesn't get credit for a caught stealing because he, the guy was trying to advance on a wild pitch. Gotcha. If the guy would have been safe, it would have been a wild pitch charge to the pitcher. Yeah. And so he's had two of those, that he's thrown two of those guys out. So whatever the numbers say, you can add two more to that. Yeah. And he's throwing out about 65% now. Don't. Don't do it, guys. Troy, you listening to this? Don't run on Julian Brock. He will make you pay. It's been amazing to see his transformation. Uh, last year, he struck out a lot. This year, he's hit, he's putting, he's barreling up. Now, he's not always being rewarded with a base hit, right? But he's hitting the ball hard. And sooner or later, it's going to be a little bit there. And it's going to work out for him. So, but he's got an arm that's unbelievable. Something we haven't seen in a long time, quite honestly. Well, I take that back. We had Drake Osborne last year. Well, it's pretty and, damn good and, too. And let's remember that two years ago you had Toro. Yeah. Who every throw he made was right on the back. I don't think that he had the velocity that Brock has. I don't think his his arm, and I, and I don't think Osborne's arm is as good as Brock's was. There is, but. But Toro had a great percentage throwing out runners, too, because um, every throw was right on the bag. Let's see. Caught stealing. I'm trying to do the quick math here. Two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, nine. We were correct. But, no, he's he's, he's had – it's been a great season. Before we go too much further, Jay, let's – I know we've got people here that are listening only to find out what we're drinking tonight. Well, of course. Oh, that was a big stretch. Excuse me, guys. 
So what do you, what is your thoughts on the Kentucky Owl St. Patrick's Day edition? Now, I don't know how different it is from the last time I had Kentucky Owl because it's been a while. Um, but but I find it uh, to be very smooth. It's a limited release. Um, Hunter Proof. It, 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 the difference is they brought in a, um, I won't say a master distiller. I'm not sure exactly. But brought some in, someone in from Ireland to help with the tasting. It's a bourbon still. It's not a. It's not an Irish whiskey. It's still a Kentucky bourbon. But they got the taster from uh, someone who tasted from uh, either a master distiller or someone like that from Ireland to come in. So. Uh, no, it's very good. Very and, good. It, and as you can see by what's left in the bottle, I might have had a couple drinks, not necessarily the night before you got here, but over the last couple of days that uh -huh. I bought it. I, I, it looked, well, I'm sure you had some friends who might have helped you. Actually, I did, and I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jay, thanks. I I did have some guys come over the other there night. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Gilby O'Donnell and the little people, <laughs> they snuck in and drank my bourbon. Oh, man, I hate it when that happens. Yes. So, let's move on quickly, and... uh I know we talked a little bit about Troy, but what are you expecting? What do the Cajuns need to do? Now, wait, do we have, we have McNeese. Oh, I'm sorry, McNeese, which well, is, a, you know, McNeese, McNeese is a team. Because of this non-conference schedule they play, and because they don't play a very strong one, you're going to talk about a team that is going to be a quad four team. Now, let's remember that McNeese has won the last two Southland Conference tournaments and, and gone into the, the NCAA. Justin Hill is a very good coach. I agree. And McNeese always makes the Cajuns play nine innings. And if you remember last year, Austin Perrin, I think, had no hits or one hit through five. And then they brought in another another guy, and before you knew it, McNeese had scored five times, and they wound up winning the game five to four or six to five, whatever it was. So I'm, um, it's one of those games that nobody notices if you win it because McNeese is not going to have a great RPI, but it's a game that if you lose it, it goes down as a quad four loss, and that's not good. Not pretty on um, the resume. But it's but I'm telling you they are a lot better team than what their their RPI is going to show, and uh, they always they 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 draw pretty well over there. Uh, the Cajuns usually bring a nice crowd. It's usually a festive atmosphere, and I just like Justin Hill as a coach a whole bunch. So, I, you know I enjoy going over there because as much as we wanna we wanna rag on them as fans. They they they've got a pretty knowledgeable fan base. They enjoy baseball. They they show up whether it's us or or some of the other teams. They're redoing parts of their stadium to expand it a little bit. When I say expand it, putting some seats where they didn't before down low, for the they bring the Southland Conference tournament there two years in a row. They still don't have a press box, and so we're going to be set up down the first baseline. We've already been told bring your air car because there ain't no Ethernet. Okay. Uh, by the time next baseball season comes, that press box should be done, and they should have a really, really nice facility. Their playing surface has it, always looked good. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it's you better go to play because they're going to come to play. Yeah. 
And it's interesting to note that, you know, the Cajuns now have 12 of their next 18 on the road. Yep. They have played exactly one game in an opponent's ballpark, and that was the game up at Northwestern State that they won. So they're going to get challenged a lot over these next few weeks because 12 of their next 18 are away from home, and, 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 and they know neutral sites. How much do you think of, though, even, even, even though it was at home, Cal Irvine, and even though it was at a neutral site with Stanford, Arkansas, and Indiana, how much did that, I mean, how much do you feel that helps? I think it battle tests you. You know, I, I think that it, what you're not going to have, and you didn't have it in Round Rock, partially because the weather was so bad, but you also played really good competition. What you're not going to have is the energy of the crowd at Russo Park 12 times in the next 18 games. You know, Troy draws fairly well, so you're going to have a lot of people calling you names and stuff. You know, the game against McNeese is going to be the, the same thing. Um, I don't know how much atmosphere you're going to have at Nichols. You're probably going to have to bring your own. And then you come home, and you've got, um, you know, South Alabama, Georgia Southern on consecutive weeks and, and midweek baseball in between. And, you know, then you're going to, after that, you go up to Jonesboro. I'm, you're not going to get the energy of the Russo Park crowd. It's good that you're going to get it against South Alabama and Georgia Southern because you're going to need it because they're both good clubs. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing that they're not going to have. And I, so you got to bring your own energy. And I want to see how this team responds to that. Now, did I hear you correctly on the radio tell Brad that there are only two midweek home games left? That's it. They didn't have that many to begin with. Right. Okay. And the reason is you had Rice come in for three last year. Well, the return of the two midweek games. Yep. Um, Louisiana Tech came to you twice last year because their ballpark wasn't ready. So you got to go there twice. You owed a trip to UNO. And you're playing in the Potiff Classic, which is at LSU. And so you don't have many opportunities to play home non-conference games. McNeese is coming in. Nichols is coming in. That's all they got because they've already played Southeastern. They've already played Northwestern and, at home. And so those that are wondering about the, the trip to Rice with the two, when, we, when they played three here, Cajuns and Southern Miss did that. Uh, a couple times when right. they, trying to make sure that they p at least played every year right. and got in as many as they could. I don't remember if we played three there and they came here twice or vice versa. or And it may have happened at two different times. Oh, I was going to well, say. I also remember a couple of years ago we played there in consecutive nights. Yes. You know, they, they got a walk-off against us and then we beat them the next night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean – all things considered, I think the the schedule sets up. I won't say nicely because I th I think the schedule works out. I mean, except for that gauntlet that Bab made us run through at the beginning of the season. I think it sets up nicely for the rest of the season. You have forty one games left. You have seventeen at home, twenty four on the road. Well. Hello, Montgomery. We're going to be uh, seeing you, and hopefully by that time we're going to be used to it. Yeah, and you know, um, Wednesday night will be the first road game that I've done. True. Because I missed the Round Rock Classic, and then I missed the game at Northwestern State. 
and I was ready to do Tech and UNO last week, and they both got rained out. So I haven't done a road game yet. Wow. All right, so you had the coaches show tonight. Any any scoop for those that may not have listened? You know, did you talk to Deggs off the air? Did he tell you that, you know, hey, that, you know, we're going to bat 700 and, and, and field? Uh, you know, the, the things that I did ask him, I asked him about Jonathan Brandon, and he said that very, very fortunate. He said it, he thinks it'll be fairly quick when he okay. comes back. He's sore right now, but there doesn't appear to be any. That looked ugly. Any real damage. He, he said that you may see Marshock as early as this weekend. I'm thinking if you see him this weekend, it might be more of a pinch runner type thing. Yeah. And maybe it'll be the following weekend before he actually starts swinging the bat. I could be wrong. We'll see. Um, you know, Trey LaFleur has been battling some tendonitis. He's still, okay, not, is that what he's, it is? Okay. He's still not ready to come back yet. Um, so, you know, as far as your MASH report is concerned, that's what that is. Um, I, I know that Tommy Ray's going to go out on Friday and I know that Nelson's going, uh, Wilson, I keep wanting to call him Nelson, that, uh, that Wilson is going to go out on Sunday. They don't even have the same hair. Uh, I no. know. <laughs> um, although I'm trying to get there. Yeah, I know you are. Uh, and you know, is it going to be bonds? It's going to be somebody else. We'll see. Uh, but he was non-committal about that. Yeah. Um, Peyton Havard is going to start on Wednesday and, and that is a surprise to nobody because they didn't use him over the weekend. I, and which I was a little shocked, and uh, but at the same time, I, when Wilson goes out and does what he's what he did, I mean it's. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Let's let's get, get some arms, some rest. Well, there was one time where they got the bullpen up. They had Chipper Millard and Jake Hammond both up, and then at the end of the inning they sat down, and we never saw. Anybody warm up again the rest of the night? The bullpen stayed quiet. And that was early on in the game, too, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fairly early. About, you know, maybe the third inning, maybe the fourth. I, yeah, I was going to um, say third or fourth inning. Yeah, but no. They, um, so, you know, what they're going to do behind Havard, I don't know, but I think they're going to let Peyton go. If he can give him four or five, that's fine. Um, I know that they didn't use Menard and Dirk over the weekend, and I'm not going to be surprised if they use him on Wednesday. Um and as, as far as the rest of it, you know, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. I think that's one of those thing, things that we'll see that, like we saw, uh, I believe the Northwestern game, after the starter came out, it, it was one inning, one inning, because you want your guys ready for this weekend series. Yeah. You want to have all arms on deck. You don't want to wear anybody out. Yeah, and if you throw Havard four innings, he's he, he, he can help you on Sunday. That kid's a battler. Saturday. Oh, yeah, he is. I like him. I, I, do, I do, too, and I'll tell you that, the smilingest guys on yeah. that team are Peyton Havard and Julian Brock. Those two guys never stop smiling. He reminds me, uh, they both kind of remind, and they're both all different face-wise, skin tone-wise and everything, but the three of them, the two of them remind me of uh, Izzy Edwards. Uh, Izzy, one time, I was walking into Pete's, and he stopped and he held the door open for me, and I looked at him and said, you're a baseball player, aren't, aren't you? Because he didn't have a baseball hat on. And he said, yes, sir, and smiled. I said, ah, Izzy. And he said, yes, sir. And just went, I went in. I'm just going like, you know, kids that are always smiling. So it's hard to, hard not to be a fan of them. I like kids to smile. Yes. Well, you've been listening to We're Talking Tonight. We're Talking Tonight. No, we've been listening to We're Talking Tonight. All right. I'm going to just stop right there and say, 
Have a good evening, everybody, or a good day. Uh, Craig Malasson, Dave. No. Not Dave. <laughs> Jay Walker. And I did not drink before you showed up. This is still my first drink. So, but hey, Craig Malasson, Jay Walker, Voice of the Cages. Jay, appreciate it all, as always. Thank you, buddy. We'll see y'all next week. Have a good night. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.